This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. I don't, I don't know. Yes. We are good. I feel like it's been so long. Everyone doesn't have a gap, but we've had a second. We've had a gap. Because we had, we had we our... We had uh, Truthsgiving. We had Truthsgiving. So therefore, we went a Thursday without recording, even though none of our listeners will have missed a beat. I know. You guys aren't going to feel the gap. I hope everybody Actually, enjoyed the uh, religious trauma series that has oh, now no. come to an end. And we are transitioning back into our normal order of business, baby. Just in time for the holidays. <laughs> Which we might actually have some gaps in the listening at that point, or we might replay some, we might replay a favorite episode for you guys or do something special for you, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're going to try to get some in, but in reality, like you, I know a lot of the podcasts do like the best of, we'll probably pick one of our, one or two of our favorites. Maybe we'll have a slight commentary on it or something and Mm -hmm. maybe give you some background. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a fun episode for that would be fun. I think we should do that. That would be good. We should do something. You guys already know we in the background. <laughs> we like to be serious, but let's be fair. We are. Um, We're a couple of weirdos. Um, <laughs> ooh, all right. So this one is really good. I actually really think this is a great timing for this topic, too, because it's holiday season, and this is actually something that, like, is tangentially or even directly related to the themes. Right. right. Um, CA, just, just, just be grateful. Just be grateful. Um, why what do we hate about? gratitude? Why, why, why does gratitude for some people create like a visceral negative reaction inside of our bodies? Let's, let's dig in. Yes. Why do we hate gratitude? I'm just kidding. So we are going <laughs> to Why is gratitude difficult? Why is gratitude yeah. challenging? Let's... Yeah. No. Well, what's interesting about this is when we were trying to explore this topic together, what ended up happening was we were realizing that there were so many different perceptions of gratitude and how people say it in a blanket statement can actually be kind of dangerous because everyone's hearing that in different ways, right? So someone who has like a trauma brain or someone who has like a brain that's healing from trauma or an extensive childhood that's had like certain narratives. So yes, it can be in some of the religious, you know, childhoods, but it absolutely, it can be in military families. It can be in families that were like, like immigrating over here or something. It can be so widely found in all of these different experiences growing up. So one of the things we wanted to start with is when we're talking about in this episode is what we're talking about in this episode is gratitude, obviously. What we're really trying to dig underneath is the perception of gratitude and also where some of those perceptions came from and then differentiating truly what it might feel like to actually connect with raw, authentic gratitude and really deconstruct past versions of what we previously understood gratitude to be. That 
is powerful and it can absolutely lead to a lot of healing for a lot of people who've basically been told either offer it up, suck it up, be grateful, be thankful, all of these narratives that kind of sometimes feel contrived and aloof and detached from reality. And, you know, people who've gone through a lot of crap in their childhood sit there and think, all right. And some people really adhere to it. Some people really well, are like, yep, that's how so I think. I think this is a good starting place then is to kind of dig in a little bit to like some of the origins of gratitude for people. So like, depending on what gratitude was, how it was used, how it was taught to you growing up is going to be huge for how you try to understand it, you know, in adulthood. So I think that's a good jumping off point is kind of like, I don't, I don't know um, if we can touch on every single type of (laughs) version of gratitude that was ever taught. I am super excited for anybody that was like raised with like a really healthy understanding of gratitude. But obviously our podcast is all about unlearning the more negative narratives that we were taught or, or, narratives that are no longer useful for us in adulthood. So um, this is this is what we're going to kind of focus on for this episode is like, what are some of the more unhelpful narratives of gratitude that were taught in childhood, adolescence and beyond? So I'll just start. I'll start. Um, <laughs> for me, and I think a lot of people, gratitude was very much taught as very like formulaic. It was like A plus B then see like you do the like somebody does this you receive the this then you must give the this which is the gratitude right so whether that's a gift or uh, somebody did something nice for you or held the door open for you whatever it is if somebody does or gives something to you you receive that and immediately you have to perform very specific like actions of gratitude toward that person. So it could be, uh, you know, lighting up your face and like a bright verbal thank you. It could be writing a handwritten thank you note to them the next day or whatever. Like it was very, very formulaic. I know. (laughs) Thank you notes are a trauma trigger for me. We're not going to dig that deep into it. But I will say that that was kind of, it was very expected and it was extremely like externalized. Like it was this this external prompting from the people around me that this is what you must do upon receipt of any type of anything, any act of kindness or any type of gift that is given to you, you immediately must perform in this very specific way. And so I think what I have started to unlearn in, well, what I started to unlearn in my early adulthood and um, you know embodying more and more as I get older is that external prompting of gratitude literally eradicates your ability. It it destroys your ability to feel authentically an embodied like sense of gratitude because it's 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 expected and so because it's an expectation and because it's now a requirement it's basically a chore it's basically a task on your to-do list it's like in a part of your brain that's extremely disconnected from like those embodied feelings that authentically want to bloom when we have moments of like real gratitude which 
I, when I have had those moments, I can't even describe how night and day different it feels when I have the opportunity to like really embody gratitude and just freely express it in my timing and in the way that feels correct to me with my words and my body. When I'm able to do that, the way it feels is night and day different, night and day different from the kind of like prescribed formulaic forced Mm. gratitude. Right. Right. And sometimes it takes time. Like, I think we'll, we'll touch on this later in the episode, but like when we're talking about real processing of gratitude, it's going to possibly take a little bit more time to get to the actual realization of how deep that gratitude or how, how, how connected you are to that gratitude. And sometimes it takes more time to get to that point. So if you have a really great experience with someone, it might take more time than just immediately being like, thank you, right? You might actually take a moment and realize, oh, that was so much more meaningful than I thought it was. And then circle back and express that, right? I did want to touch on to the childhood thing. And it makes me laugh because um, you, when people say kids don't have filters, right? My brain goes, kids call all of the adult bullshit into reality. Like that's really what they're doing. So I'm thinking of my daughter, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is a real like ex- like vivid memory, but my daughter is so like cut to the chase. Like she's just like, she cuts through bullshit like at someone I've never even, I'm like, who are you? And you're amazing. Um, But she will like immediately kind of catch on to stuff that's just like, that doesn't make sense to me, mom. Right. And in reality, there's a lot of things that adults ask kids to do that really like doesn't make sense to their rational or even like emotional brain. Okay. So for example, Aisley's flat out told me, this is my daughter's name, Aisley. She's flat out told me, and she's six. She literally gets sad when someone buys her clothes. She's like, mom, like, yeah, I get sad. Like my, I literally get sad. Like I'll open the, I'll open the box and like, I literally get sad. And I'm like, oh, I, honey, I'm sorry. Like, that's really upsetting. And I get like, especially if you really have like a specific thing that you might want to be like thinking about. And I get it. Like kids, they're like, oh, spoiled brats. Like they don't get to pick and choose their presents. But truly, here we go. Ready? When we talk about, this is more like philosophical gift giving. PNCA, we've also talked about this. When we give gifts, are we giving gifts to make the other person feel good? Or are we giving gifts to make ourselves feel good? And someone, we could sit on both sides of these fences and be like, it's a co-occurring thing. Like I feel good when I give CA gifts. CA feels good when she gives me a gift, blah, 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 blah. In reality though, ready? I'm going to push this into adulthood and not into childhood. Okay. Because I love CA so much and we actually have a very real and raw authentic relationship. If I gave her, let's say, a gift that had some kind of like food in it or something, and I was like, CA, did you open your gift? And you're like, yeah, Jamie, like I opened it. And I'm like, did you love it? She has a choice. She could tell me she loves it, or she could be like, actually, Jamie, like I love, she's, this is the clarifying. She'll probably say she loved that I spent time thinking of her, making the gift sending it to her, right? But if I was really asking her real opinion and I would say, did you like those cookies? And let's say I put licorice in it, which by the way, any listeners, I literally hate licorice. So if I put licorice in a cookie of someone who also doesn't like licorice, I would be like, do you like it? And if she says yes, why? What is she doing that for? Like, what is going on there? 
right? What is the actual like structure of what's going on? Because now she's lying to me for me because I gave her a gift. So she's trying to make me feel better because I gave her a gift, right? So she's actually, it's also, it's now turning into about me, not about her, right? And so if she told me, this is the both and guys, the both and is she can be simultaneously super grateful that she has a friend that not only thought about making some cookies for her, put them in a box, shipped them like within a well enough time so they didn't go stale and then arrived to the door. She can literally simultaneously be like, wow, that's an amazing thing that my friend just did and eat the cookie and be like, I hate it, right? She's allowed to hate it because she doesn't need to force herself to pretend she likes licorice because I accidentally forgot about that or something, right? So a real friendship would be able to hold both of those narratives, right? But now let's go back into childhood, right? My daughter can be grateful that her friend went out, bought a present for her at Target or whatever, came to her house for a party, wrapped that present, and shared some time with her at her party. She can be grateful for all those things and open up a scarf and be sad because she gets sad when she gets close, right? So she's allowed to feel that way. But what do we do? Here's the grateful narrative, right? Easily, easily. No, why are you, why are you, why do you look sad? No, just, just tell them thank you. Just move on. Say, 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 say thank you. Just, you need to be smiling right now. You're opening a present. Smile, say thank you, and then just move on. Get, get over it, right? Okay, what's happening? Because this is what I want you to hear. Kids feel that bullshit. So I will even, like, I feel like I even have a visual of someone being like, and we, I, probably it's me. I don't even think it's easily. It's probably me as a child being like, Thank you, Uncle Fred. Thank you so much. Right? Oh and you're my God. sitting there so and you're much. like, your brain, your child developmental brain knows more than what the adults are trying to do, which they go, that childhood brain goes, I don't love the licorice cookies. So why am I saying, and that's what the, that's what a lot of us do, will do. They'll be like, no, no, don't spit it out. No, no, no. Oh my God. Just give it to me. Just pretend you're chewing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Let's go back in the kitchen. Do you love the cookies, honey? Yeah, Aunt Susie. I love the cookies. Thank you. And we're teaching right? our kids to be inauthentic. A hundred percent. Oh my God. But here's the complexity, yeah. CA. The complexity is then parents are going to be listening to this and be like, well, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. Right. Because what the right. hell are we supposed to do at those events? And honestly, this is where I feel like the revolutionary act would be to bring in the both and for that oh, person. Oh, 100%. That would be the yes. revolutionary act in that moment is that if my daughter spit out your cookies, I could look at my sister who made the cookies and I could be like, listen, Susie. I love you. She loves you. She she really doesn't like licorice, but we li- we loved that you put the time and effort into this stuff. That's a beautiful act of giving. And thank you. Thank you for giving us this moment. We know now that she doesn't really like licorice, but that's okay. That's okay. It just means that she doesn't really resonate with that flavor. She loves that she has an aunt 
that wants to spend time making cookies and giving her cookies. See, and this is what's so difficult with navigating these situations is the person on the other side has to be emotionally mature enough to hear what you're saying and receive the both and and not receive this as a full rejection and criticism and whatever else. So like, say it was the the clothing gift, right? Because, you know, I, I feel like sometimes food almost is a little easier to get away with because there's a tactful way to be like, thank you so much for cooking. You know, licorice is not really for me. It's I, I don't know, like, like, it's whatever, just not my yeah. thing. But I'm so gl- grateful for your cooking. That's a little easier. When somebody gives like an item, it can be a little harder to navigate that like tactful nuance of saying, thank you so much for thinking of me. I can tell you really put a a lot of thought into this gift. Like it was so sweet of you. And then they're waiting for the, but do you love it? Are you going to wear it? Can I see it on you? You know, wear it now. (laughs) And you're like, Um, it can be really tricky to be like, I am not sure that I'm going to love it once I put it on, but I'm still super thankful that you thought of me. Right. The thing is, the reason why that's so difficult is because people hinge a lot of their like self-worth and like their value in the relationship on on like interchanges like this. And so you're picking up on that and you're like, well, I don't want to like insult them and make them feel like a bad friend because they picked out a color that I hate wearing. Like, but it's so hard because it's like you want to be authentic and they obviously care about you because they got you a gift and it's just difficult. So I'm just, I'm just speaking in here right now to people who are like, what, but how do we do this? It's hard. Okay. So I'm not going to pretend that it isn't difficult, but it does require nuance and it does require both and abilities on both sides. Both sides. Exactly. I think this is where we talked about gift giving. Maybe, I mean, I guess this could be kind of on time for like our holiday episodes, but like literally gift giving is like that idea of like what, a genuine question for all the listeners. Why are you doing that? Because if you're doing that because you need some like exorbitant, like incredible, like, oh, thank you. Like, yeah, if you're doing that, like, I get it. It feels good to have someone receive a gift and literally be like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is literally exactly what I wanted. That does feel good. Let's not undermine that. That feels good. What might not feel as good is you feel really trying to put a lot of effort into something and then realizing, ooh, that really wasn't a good match and it didn't necessarily like resonate with them. And then the curiosity is like when we talk about the the science of gift giving, right? Like the the intricate patterns behind gift giving, think about it like when we are asking people And so when we are talking about tangible gifts, yes, but think about like emotional gifts, right? Like when we are giving freely of our energy, time, space, psychological interchanges, whatever, when we're giving that freely, it's like, it's kind of effortless, right? Like that's a freely giving gift. But what's interesting is like when someone feels like they have to do something, That is where this is really tricky, right? Because if you think about the person who's receiving the gift, if they feel like they have to put on the scarf and play fun and play dress up and say, yeah, I love it, right? Now we're like, that's an opportunity for someone to be like, 
weirdly developing a facade of internally and then externally, right? And so like, they're not only showing outside that this isn't really how they feel, but internally they're feeling guilty for really not liking licorice or really not liking that color, right? They feel guilty for being really attuned to who they are, right? And so I did want to touch on this before we moved on from this because CA, like one of her subspecialties, she, she does a lot of work on neurodivergency. I see this a lot on the autism spectrum that they don't, not, I shouldn't speak in a general statement, but I see a lot of my folks that I've interacted with on the spectrum, they typically don't do that as much, which pisses people off. They are like, why did you not, why did you not put it on? And they're like, because I don't want to. That's the thing is I think we really do have to include neurodivergency into this conversation a little bit because especially for people who are on the spectrum, accepting social constructs that are completely based in like subtext and societal expectations is for some people on the spectrum, 100% unattainable. Other people can learn to mask to a degree and to some in, in certain situations, they can find ways to like mask and camouflage, but it's still internally very, very challenging to participate in social constructs that make no sense to the autistic brain because it's like, I literally like, why can't I just say what I mean and mean what I say? Because that's if, if, if you're unfamiliar with autistic communication, there's uh the default for most autistic people is to communicate clearly and directly. Literally the phrase, say what you mean and mean what you say is like, that's it. That, that's all you need to know about how autistic people communicate. We don't do subtext. We don't do any of the like weird, like, like undertones of like, Ooh, let me just like play a little like social. It's like, nope. Like if it were me, this is what I, I always joke. Like if it were up to me with the way that I communicate, like, People would perceive me a lot meaner than I am, but I am aware of social constructs. I have learned a lot of social rules and social communication, like nuances and niceties. And so like I I do mask and camouflage to a degree to like keep the peace. But in my adulthood, as I am, am embracing the truth of who I am, I am working harder and harder every day to find the balance between being kind and still being truthful and authentic to myself. Because I think that's what it comes up. It's like, when I was a kid, I, there, I'm sure there were things I said that literally were just like super rude because I don't know, because that I didn't have a filter and I didn't realize our social construct told us that we weren't allowed to comment on somebody's wrinkles. But when I was a kid, I'd be like, wow, you have a lot of wrinkles. Was that a lie? It wasn't. It was, I'm just making an observation. It's not an insult. In my brain, it was not an insult. In no way when I said that phrase was I trying to insult that person. I was just a kid and I was making an observation and then I got scolded afterwards. Anyway, I'm not going to derail. I'm not going to derail, but it, it just has to do with like finding the balance between like how do we express what's authentically inside of us while also still being kind to all parties involved. And I think for the purposes of this episode, I want to move into other topics related to gratitude besides just gift giving, because I'm glad we touched on that. And I do think it's actually really timely. But there's more than that, too, because I think this also now gets into, I don't know, I'll let you take over, but like some some other times when you're told to just be grateful. And yeah, I just want to make sure we leave time to speak to no, some of those yeah, things I as well. No, yeah, I think 
And no, and I, I agree. Like, I think there's so much to be said about like how we show up and how we can learn from children. But what's interesting about like, if we're staying in the developmental stages of gratitude, like we're teaching our kids to bypass their reality, right? And so we're, and, and in reality, what we're saying is this is the social construct you're supposed to be learning. You're supposed to be learning, bypassing the real emotion in this experience, and then just express the gratitude or the thankfulness in this moment. And to be fair, if we hold the narrative in both places, I could understand, like, there's there's layers here. Right. I think we've talked about this in the podcast is that, you know, if someone just holds the door for me, I don't it's I can say thank you. Right. Like in theory, like that's just like a general interchange. But I think what we're really talking about is like the deeper relationships where these become very intricate. And there's these forced feelings of like, hey, I showed up in this way and I look at my love as like an interchangeable tally system, kind of like you owe me feeling, right? And we, this is, we did talk about this in another episode, but one of the critical things that CA touched on just a few minutes ago was the reason why this tricky interchange between gratitude is so hard is because not only like CA said, they have to be emotionally able to hold the difficulty of someone else's authenticity, right? But they have to like trust that you're going to be like understanding the depths of like why someone would spend so much time and like, I I know we were doing gift giving, but for example, like Think about, I, I, I got to give you guys an example because it's a little theoretical right now. So like me and CA were talking before, I do a favor for her, right? I go grab her groceries for her, okay? In this situation, she doesn't really, like I might not be like, she has to say thank you for me, okay? She doesn't have to say thank you for me or whatever. But when I'm talking about the complexities of the both parties, if I, if I do something for her, right, and I give her the groceries, I drop them off, like, let's say we don't interchange or whatever, okay? Like, because there's a general sense of I wanted to give her that gift and I really don't care whether or not she says thank you or not. If for some reason CA came from a very wounded, trauma-informed brain, she might actually be scared for people to give her gifts because here's the fallout. If gifts were never freely given, she's looking for the other shoe. She's looking for the other shoe to drop, right? So Jamie randomly did something really nice for me, right? And let's say like we're not talking about the gratitude thing, but we're talking about the other end of why this can be complicated. She is like, oh God, I owe her. Or, oh God, if she if she did that for me, that means that like... I have to do something for her, right? Or she's scared that like, like there's going to be some kind of manipulated thing on the other end of this, right? Okay, we have that. But then on my end, 
Let's say I didn't freely give it. Let's say I forced myself to do that, right? And then I got bitter. So so because I forced, I was getting angry that she didn't say thank you fast enough because I forced myself to go pick up the groceries and I didn't really want to. I literally even inserted a narrative like, she's going to think I'm going to pick them up every day. She's going to think that I'm her little gopher that has to do all of her stuff for her. And look at her. It's been three hours. She didn't even say thank you. Right. And so look at this is why I brought up and this is why very complex. Right. There are multiple things going on in this interchange. If both parties have extensive trauma, both parties are going to have very different expectations around the gratitude, around the interchange of what was it actually exchanged around what is the fallout of that exchange. Right. And so when we kind of loop it back to the gratitude thing, this is why this is very hard is that. People who have grown up that the gifts weren't just gifts. They were just, they were like opportunities to like, you know, owe someone or interchange something. Yes, CA would get a little paranoid. She would look at the clock and be like, oh my God, it's almost Friday night. And she dropped it off at two. Um, I got to get to my phone. I got to like, I got to make sure I get on the phone with her and I got to text her. And oh my God, like, I can't believe I went this long without telling her thank you. And then you call me and you're like, oh my God, I'm sorry, it's nine o'clock. And like, you dropped this off at two and I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't say sorry, I didn't say thank you fast enough. And I'm sitting there like, what? I didn't even think, I didn't need a call, CA, right? And your brain goes, no, you did. Like, I know what you're thinking. I know you're angry at me right now. I know that you're upset that like, I didn't, I didn't do this fast enough right? I'm so sorry. And I'm, I I am thankful, right? And you're trying desperately to express that gratitude, right? And my brain goes like, see, like, I, I, I know you're grateful. Like, I know that you're thankful when we do things for each other. Like, there's no need for you to like, write a thank you note or like, send me a text or like, whatever. Yes, obviously, it's nice to hear these things. But like, I love you. And it is what it is, right? To someone who has a trauma brain, First of all, that's hard to believe. Very hard. It's very difficult to accept that somebody would just lovingly provide a gift or a service to you without expecting something in return. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it feels as though like in this case, her gratitude is very authentic, right? But let's say, here's the flipper. Ready? Let's flip it. (laughs) I did something. (laughs) On my own accord, I didn't ask for your consent. I didn't give you, I didn't give it to you, ready? And this is like a real, these are real stories. These happen to some of my clients. Like these are things that can happen, okay? These are real life situations that people do all the time to weaponize their love or their whatever I'm giving that in quotations. There's connections, whatever. So I, (laughs) me and CA, I'm, I'm using this as an example. So me and CA are like, I don't know, we had some kind of like, tough conversation over the weekend. And I, she opens the door and there's like a bunch of yellow roses on the, on the porch. Right. And obviously she knows that I gave her the roses. Right. And here we go. Here's the bypassing that can occur in gratitude. Right. Because CA might think, well, she went out of the way to get flowers. So in theory, I probably should say thank you. But in reality, what the, what the fuck? Like, 
First of all, we didn't dialogue about the fight. Nothing got resolved. Nothing really happened other than I went out of my way, didn't even ask if she really was like in a place to receive anything like that. Like, and I guess went out of my way and gave her the flowers. And I, and what I used that as, I used the flowers as a way to demand a bypassing of the tension from the previous days. And so what happens is, and this is where if I really wanted to go toxic, I'd be like, I'd wait a day and I'd be like, so what? You're just gonna not even say thank you for the yellow roses? So what, so if let's, let's play that off. What, what are you think? If I text you that we were in a fight, I was trying to make amends, quote unquote, but in reality, I wasn't really trying to have a conversation. I was just trying to bypass it. I put the yellow flowers in front of you and I go, what are you not going to say? Thank you. And I mean, what's going through your brain? What's going yeah, through what's, what's going through my brain in that moment, obviously, is like that clearly my feelings about the fight are insignificant and there's no longer space to discuss them. And all that we are expected to do from here is just forgive and forget and move on because thanks for the roses. Now everything's hunky dory. And that is like a really, really, really classic example of bypassing. And I think I want to I want to take us a step further, Jamie, because even without the gesture, this exchange and this dynamic happens in relationships all the time, whether that is parent child relationships or like intimate partnerships, maybe to a degree friendships. But I feel like those first two is where it happens more more often, which is even without the gesture. What sometimes happens is the person who is, you know, wanting to get the fight done and over with and wants to bypass the difficulty of it will literally just say something aligns of like, can't we just be grateful for like everything that I do for you? Like, I, I just like, I get it. Okay. Like I, I, I blew up and I'm sorry, but honestly, like I do this for you. I do that for you. And I really don't understand why you're forgetting about all the good things and you just can't let this other thing go. Like, can't you just be grateful for me? Can't you just be grateful for our relationship, et cetera, et cetera. So like, even without the gesture, I feel like this mentality is used a lot in relationships to bypass the difficulty of what is going on, like a a dynamic or like a fight that happened. And what it really is when we really boil it down, guys, (laughs) surprise, surprise, it's an all or nothing mentality. That's what we're actually looking at here. It's this person trying to say there is not allowed to be challenges because there's all this good. So our relationship is either all bad or all good. And if right now you're talking about a challenge that's happening between us, then I guess you think that our relationship is all bad. It's worthless. We might as well just slam the doors shut and and pack it up right now. Or they go, well, that's, I'm not comfortable with that. So then they swing and go to the all good and go, well, look at all the good things. Let's just be grateful. Let's just be grateful. Let's just be grateful. And then you as the person who's struggling with the both and is sitting there going, well, I mean, yeah, like those things are true. And I am grateful for those things. And this experience that we're having also needs to be addressed. Like, and we still need to work out this communication issue that we're having. And we still, I'm still hurt by the thing that you did or didn't do. So that is really what is at the heart of sometimes when gratitude is used to bypass 
the difficulty of what's happening, it's because that person is stuck in an all or nothing. Right. And now that gaslighting is apparently the word of the year, like what's <laughs> interesting is we actually said like, is certain variations or interpretations of gratitude a variation of gaslighting? It's either external gaslighting or internal gaslighting. Yeah, because we do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we might do to ourselves. So for example, I get the yellow. Fl- I know we're doing the you know emotional stuff, but if I get the yellow flowers and I think, oh my God, like, I know I'm really upset about the fight, but like, I really, I'm not a lot, like, it's, it's really not like, it's not that bad. And like everything, like I need to just get over it. And like, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And like, I should just get over the pain. And like, it's not, it really isn't a problem, right? That's that self, like you literally knowing it's a lot of pain and then using like the gratitude of the flowers to bypass the actual processing that's happening internally, but then externally. So this is what I'm saying is that's my question for the listeners is your interpretation of gratitude, some variation of gaslighting either internally or externally. So for example, like, was it weaponized for you? Were people on your external wherever that was coming from your, your parents or whoever it was your partner, whatever, were they saying, well, I don't care that I just screamed my head off at you and you started crying. Like you just need to be grateful that I cooked you dinner tonight and you just need to be grateful that you're warm in bed. And so you're sitting there warm under your covers and realizing that your stomach isn't empty and realizing that your feet aren't freezing cold and you're sitting there saying, okay, I can't be mad at her. I can't be mad at her because like I I do have clothes and I do have food, right? And so what CA is saying is in our brains, if we create this huge divide of the only way I get to process things is if everything is taken from me. So the only way I get to process this pain is if I was starving or cold on the street or, um, you know, on the brink of death. That's the only way I could actually process the pain that my mom just caused me. No, what's really happening is that your mom just caused you a lot of pain. Yes, you are warm. Yes, you are fed. And those things coexist. That's what's actually happening. So why we even thought this episode was so important to even spend a good time on was that actual feeling is that if your internal narrative either starts sounding like I just need to not process, I need to bypass this feeling and say, okay, your feet are warm, your feet are warm. That's okay. Everything's okay. You know, you're kind of rocking yourself to sleep and you're like, I'm okay. I'm not unsafe. Like, you know, everything's fine. The fight's over, right? I'm safe, right? Okay. This is where the nuance comes in. If that gets you to calm down, sure. You're like, okay, I'm safe. I'm breathing. I'm warm. I'm not hungry. Like, I'm okay. But once you're calm, being able to open the processing and being like, you're right. I am warm. I am fed. And I am in pain. And I am in emotional pain. Right? And those things are co-occurring. If you can get there, that's to me not bypassing. That's just processing. If you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm cold and fed and then I just need to dismiss everything that just happened because my mom told me to be grateful and therefore I'm telling myself to be grateful, that sounds, what does that sound like? It sounds like you're deluding the reality. It sounds like you're telling yourself something isn't happening that really is happening. That is what we're talking about in this episode. 
Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that you touched on like the the usefulness of gratitude because I know that that's the main pushback we're going to get is but gratitude is it is. It's like they've done studies. It's like proven to improve our mental health and even our physical health if we take time to like sit in the space of gratitude. It is. This is not a, we're not bashing on gratitude. We're talking about why gratitude feels challenging for people. Gratitude can be a wonderful moderator for your mental state if you're pushing yourself too far in the other direction of the pendulum and you're, you're, you're seeing that if we're talking about the black and white, right? Like if you're, you're only yeah, like seeing everything. everything as a negative and everything is bad and there's zero parts of your life that are worth anything and everything is a catastrophe. Like if you're too far into that space, then gratitude can be a wonderful moderator to bring you a little bit more back into the medium middle space where you can hold multiple truths at once. But what we're talking about here is we just don't want to see people pushing themselves so far into the pendulum side of pure, just be grateful for everything and anything. And if you're not grateful for it, don't think about it. Like we don't want to be bypassing some things that might actually need to be processed, whether that's externally, meaning like a dynamic between you and somebody else, or sometimes it happens internally, right? Like we do just like internal gaslighting and just internal bypassing of difficult things that we're not ready to think or feel about yet. And so we just say, just be grateful, just be grateful. Um, so I, I think I'm, I'm glad that we're bringing that nuance in because I, I know that that was something I was like, uh, people are going to be mad at us. They're going to think we're bashing on gratitude and we're not actually, in fact, what I'd like to move into right now That's what I think is we I think we should talk about for a minute. Cause we talked about this off air. What does like real, true, embodied gratitude look and feel like? And how 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 do those interchanges look? Because one of the things we were joking about is sometimes that you said this happens in your family, absolutely happens in my family too, of this like moment where like you wanted to express genuine gratitude, but somebody else in the exchange like jumped the gun and like forced it out of you before you like got your chance to say what you wanted to say. And then you get like pissed because like you were robbed of your chance to like actually express it the way that you wanted to. And now you're like, Fuck, like now I don't feel okay. it anymore. Well, give him an example. <laughs> give him an example. Okay. Like this is a hard one to get. Yeah, this is. Mind so around. this is, this is like, let's just, we'll use the, we'll use the, uh, the grocery example, right? So say, say you had gone and, picked up my grocery order for me because I was busy that day or whatever. And my day stayed busy. Right. And so like, I was super grateful that you picked up my groceries for me. And I just hadn't had that chance to like, bring that gratitude to you yet. And so I'm like, I go to my phone. I'm like, finally, I got a break. It's like 9pm. Pick up my phone for the first time in seven hours. And I'm ready to text you like, Oh, I'm so thankful for doing that. And what do I see? I go to my phone and I see a text from you. That's like, I literally cannot believe you haven't thanked me yet. Like I went out of my way today to do that favor for you. And I'm really hurt that you're not more grateful. Wind completely out of my sails. I am devastated because I'm like, I genuinely am so grateful. But now if I say it, it's not going to sound like I am because it's just going to sound like I'm just trying to appease you and backpedal or something. But because like you didn't give me the time and the space to to express it in the way that I really authentically 
felt and wanted to express it. It's like the whole opportunity to actually have real gratitude is gone because you forced it. Right. Right. And I think that's where this gets complicated because if you think about like true gratitude is self-generated, like we were using that term before, it's it's self-generated. And so when someone is really busy and they are self-generating that gratitude, like that's a real moment of like, oh yeah, I'm super thankful. I do want to actually like let her know that it's self-generated, but then it doesn't get articulated as such when someone bypass, like literally in their wound, because by the way, I'm going to call that what it is. Like if you literally don't give someone even like a day, maybe even a couple of days, I'm sorry, if you have four, see, has four children. If you have four children, I'm like, and also this is what I said in the beginning, like, a couple minutes ago, if you're waiting for us, thank you. And you're literally brewing and stewing about like, a couple of days and you're like, oh my God, it's three days now. And she hasn't said thank you. My brain goes, what's going on there? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but what's going on? What is going on? Because they're like, don't I deserve a thank you? And I go, but what's going on? What's going on there? Because there's that narrative. But then if you don't want to wait three days and you want to jump into the like jump the gun or whatever and you want to just jump into like oh I knew she was ungrateful so I'm only gonna wait two hours and I'm gonna bitch her out in the text message okay all right so you start texting her and then see a self-generated gratitude never gets to be articulated she never gets to really actually say with her real truth hey you really do matter to me and I really do care about you it's very upsetting because now when you sent me that text, I didn't even get a chance to express that to you with my own autonomy. You actually took that opportunity away from me, right? And then they might come back and be like, well, it was two hours. What do you expect? And you can be like, this is this is what I want to tell you. This is, if you guys are like, oh my God, this is all of these scenarios have happened to me, right? <laughs> okay, if that's what happened, if these things have happened to you, genuinely, I want you to think about the nature of that relationship and what's happening on the other side. They're probably misunderstanding or have a very distorted view of love and interchange, like what it means to love and receive love and give love. Right. And so if you're sitting there, you're like, I'm actually upset. I'm actually upset that you you took away the opportunity for me to freely express my gratitude. And they tell you, well, I wasn't expecting you to do it. So I had to prompt you. They just told on themselves. Mm, That's huge. I think that's a huge piece of information that you get from when when somebody gives something and then there is a very either immediate or like very soon thereafter expectation or demand for gratitude in return that is information about what that exchange meant to them in the first place because this was something we were talking about was like when i give something super freely the thought of receiving gratitude back is like not even there. Like if the gratitude happens, like it happens, it happens because that was authentic for that person. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not giving them something so that I can get gratitude in return or some future favor in return. When I give freely, truly autonomously, like a hundred percent, like every part of me is aligned with this action of picking up groceries for my friend. 
it's because I love them. I value them. I care about them. Doing an act of service for them is, is making their life easier. And that is something I want for them because I want good things for their life. Like I just literally doing it out of true love and care for that other person. And then like, it's like, the other, the thought is out of my mind almost. It's like, I do it and I'm, you know, glad that I was able to help, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they say thank you in their own timing, I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. You're welcome. Totally. I'm, I'm so glad that I could be helpful. You know, it's like, it's, it's super authentic on both sides. But so when somebody's coming at you, like, why aren't you more grateful? It's almost like informing you that they did something not super autonomously. Maybe it wasn't super aligned and maybe it wasn't super freely given. Right. And if you are thankful, you are just going to say thank you, right? Like if you really have that actual like freely thought, you're just going to say it, right? You don't have to be prompted, right? I was actually, when you were talking to I thought about... I feel like I shared this at one point in the episode. So apologies for our like loyal (laughs) listeners because you might have heard this before. But I'll never forget this moment when I refused to start. Like it was one of the moments where I turned a corner in my parenting that I will, I don't, I never force my children to hug or kiss or do anything physical unless, not unless, but literally I will, I will like give them like, hey, would you want to give a high five or a hug? Like I will give them kind of like, some kind of, hey, we're leaving. Do you want to do that kind of thing? That's how I usually approach it, right? But I'll never forget when I made that switch because my youngest, she's one of the, she's gotten, she's gotten me at my best, by the way. Like my youngest, it's so funny because people say their parents, their youngest got their parents like at their like least like on game. And I'm like, I feel like my youngest got me on my most parents. Same. Game. Like, <laughs> which is so funny. I feel like my yeah. oldest got like, oh, like I was, I was, I was learning. Um, but yeah, so my youngest, like she, um, she does, she probably doesn't even really have memories because I don't really think I really forced her much to ever like hug anyone. But like she knows, she knows she owns her body. She knows she doesn't freely give things unless she wants to, right? Um, and she does, she knows, she kind of understands the beginning aspects of consent, basically in that regard, I should say. So. I remember there were times where like, if I did something for her, here we go. I'm the mom. I freely gave something to her. So for example, like, I don't know, I gave her my time and I was like coloring and I'm like, did you have a good time? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, can I have a hug? And she's like, no. I love her. (laughs) And she, by the way, like that's, that's not a joke. Like easily will be like, no, I don't feel like that. And, but yeah, like it was fun. Like I I had a good time, you know? And so my brain was like, oh, I gave you something. Can I have something? Like, can I, it's not like, it wasn't even contingent. It was just like, oh, I want to share some joy. Like I was just like, hey, can I have a hug? And she said, no, but I was like, oh yeah, that's fine. Okay, go play. You know? I, I even could even call myself out there. Like, did I owe, like, did she owe me something? Not really, but like, it was kind of an opportunity where I was like, oh, I kind of just want to bond with her. So I asked her and she said, no. Okay. I do remember the feeling though, of being like, Ooh, that sucks. Like my brain was like, yikes girl, like Ouch. sheer, sheer rejection. Like, and she was probably like four, but like totally. legitimately no sweat off her back. Like, no. And walks away. And I'm like, okay. Um, right. But then here's the kicker. We had another moment where it was probably like a few months later where we were doing something. I don't know. We were dancing or something together. And 
she we were like I don't know I was down on like down like in the kitchen or something and she's she's like mom I really want to give you a hug and I'm like okay and so she runs up to me and she literally gives me the most like literally I could feel how much she wanted to give me a hug. I could feel the squeeze. Like she really autonomously gave that to me. And when I felt that hug, my brain linked the previous rejection. And I said, never again will I force my child to never freely hug me. Oh, because when you feel the the embodied, like autonomous give give of a hug, it's so worth it. It's so worth those other moments of like, oh no, you don't have to, even if I wanted it, even if I wanted to feel that closeness in that time, like forcing somebody to do it, it would have felt like, meh, like it would have just felt kind of lame if she had followed through and was like, fine, I'll hug mommy because she wants to. It would have been like, meh. It would just want to like a floppy little like two second versus like what an autonomously given hug feels like from your child is like, it's like the warmth of a thousand suns and nothing compares. And when you feel the difference, it's the same thing with any form of gratitude. Like, man, to be able to receive somebody's like true, authentic gratitude and you know with every fiber of their being that they're just like exuding this really authentic expression. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. And I think what's what has to happen in that, like what needs to be present is trust amongst the the people involved like that they will get around to that but again 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 it doesn't have to it's but not from this expected place not from this place of like oh eventually they'll they'll learn to be grateful for me not that that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like you just trust in the relationship so much that you are able to freely give without fear of manipulation, without fear of being taken advantage of in any way. Like, so you're able to freely exchange your energy and that leaves space for them to freely exchange their energies in the ways that they want to and need to. And so, yeah. I want to, I want to touch on the other end though. Like with Aisley, if she got scared that by saying no, I would abandon her, she would always say yes. Think about that. This is why gratitude plays into this, right? So if she's like, oh my God, if I don't say thank you, like they're going to like literally say like they're going to abandon me or they're going to reject me or I'm going to become the black sheep. So even if I'm not really grateful, I'm just going to say it because I don't want them to leave me. Like I don't want them to abandon me. And that's what we're talking about, this mutual exchange. Like if someone literally is like using that as a way to manipulate, like for example, I could have easily been like, oh, can I have a hug? And she says no. And I'm like, well, then I'm never going to play with you again, easily. I'm never going to color with you again. And then she'd be like, fine, just I'll give you a hug. I'm sorry. And she gives me a hug. But first of all, that was forced. And second of all, it literally gives me like a gross feeling in my, like when I said that, I was like, ew, that literally makes me feel terrible. Like that my daughter was like just weaponized into giving me a hug because I threatened to take away a shared relationship with her. Like, that's what we're talking about, folks. Like, as much as people are like, wow, this isn't that deep. It is. It is. It is that deep. It really, really is. 100%. And I mean, coming off the back of our religious trauma episode, um, we even get this in a religious context sometimes, right? That, like, you have to be thankful for um, certain 
gifts or whatever that, you know, are assigned to like, oh, God did this or Jesus did this or whatever. Be grateful, be grateful because it's it's like this this owed interchange of you have to be grateful in order to continue receiving the blessings. And so I just I wanted to touch on that and then you see it in parent child dynamics and it's really gets it can get super toxic when you start seeing this in like intimate partnerships of like a tit for tat experience of like if you're not grateful for these things then I'm going to, you know, not be showing up for you in the ways that you want to be showed up to. And really it just comes down to like robbing everybody of their autonomy. Like people aren't able to freely give or freely receive. It's so frustrating. That's exactly what happens. Cause like, that's why I was giving you the play on the other side with Aisley because she's not able to really like really tap into our authentic reality because she's so scared that her mom's never going to play with her again. But then if I sit there and I'm like not trusting that my daughter literally does care about me. And also speaking of neurodivergencies, she just doesn't have to show love the way I, she doesn't have to meet me in the exact way that I receive love. Yes. I could be a physical touch person. I could be like, oh, I love squeezes and I love us dancing together. And like, if she is a person that has maybe some more higher sensitivities, she very well might show as much love to me through a little note that she drew a picture of me. And that is her variation of a hug, right? So I don't even get to say, I don't get to demand that of love freely given. I don't get to prescribe what kind of love that is. Think about that. Because if I say, no, 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 the only way you love me is through hugs and you're not doing that. And then she's leaving me little love notes or drawing me pictures or like, mommy, this is us together. Like, this is us laughing or something. And I go, well, that's great, honey. But when are you going to give me that hug? It's not love freely given. I'm demanding her meeting my expectation and prescribing to her exactly how she has to show up, right? That's where that whole like love freely given, love freely received, like that is very complex. And I've told this, this is something couples don't want to hear. Okay. Cause I'm taking it out of the parent and child thing. I told this to couples and people don't want to hear this. If you guys get to the point where you're like, I want to give my love freely. And this is how I expect my love to be given and freely received. If you are a person that is so high physical touch and you are married to a person that genuinely has aversions to it. You need to have a real conversation because that is very difficult because yes, everyone can learn how to like, let's say adapt. Okay, I can, like see, I was saying, there's a difference between adapting and masking. There is, like you can adapt because you're like, nope, I'm okay with adapting a little bit. I might not love this, but I absolutely can adapt around this and I I can work around it. And with my own autonomy, I'm not pushing against my will, But with my own autonomy, I can adapt around it. But masking and pretending, that is totally different because that means you are violently going against your will every time someone's demanding something of you. And this is why when CA said it gets incredibly complex in intimate partnerships because this exact thing starts happening is they go, well... I hear from my therapist that I'm just, I'm supposed to describe to people what I want. So I'm telling them I want a hug and they're not giving it to me. And I go, 
okay, well, do you love them? And do you understand that that physical touch might actually be a little bit painful for them? Well, if they loved me, they'd get over it. Okay, well, this is this is that type of conversation that like really taps into love freely given and love freely received, right? Because if it was love freely given, I genuinely could not ask CA. I don't think I would even feel, I would feel like it would hurt me to ask CA to go against her will and force herself to hug me if that, if she was high, like on the sensory stuff, if it actually caused her pain. Because if I'm giving her a hug and I know she's getting caused pain, but I know that she's doing it just because she, it literally feels so like, I, I, it's beyond the word wrong. To me, I feel like it feels so like, it's it's viscerally wrong. Like to, but what it, to get but someone Jamie, to do that. What it speaks to though, is people who expect that. People who expect you to override your comfort for mine are the exact people that are doing that to others. They're overriding their own comfort yes. in situations for the sake of others. And so because they can do it, it's it's the classic, like I suffered, you should too. It's like, because that's what they are literally doing to themselves day in and day out. They're literally overriding their own visceral needs and wants for the sake of other people's comfort. They look at you and they think that you're being selfish if you don't do the same thing. Right, right. And that's the gratitude thing is like, you should you should be grateful that I sacrificed that for you because I literally didn't want to eat the cookie, but I pretended I did. And so you need to pretend too. And it's like, no, like the whole thing is linked to authenticity and it's all linked to like, what is the real experience here? And can we hold the narrative of like, your reality is you get physical, you get more pain when you get a lot of pressure. Okay, so that's your reality. So my reality is that it we possibly have to work together to come up with a new form of love interchange, right? Or for example, like you need to come up with a very real answer to yourself about how you give yourself away. How are you giving yourself away? Like, are you bypassing your own processing and forcing yourself to do things that cause you pain or discomfort or whatever. And you're not actually like honoring that part of yourself because if that's happening, that is what we mean by like at the root of like, I just need to be, you know, I just need to get over it. I just need to be grateful. I'm married. I just need to be, you, you just, just suck it up. Like we just need to be thankful. It's like, no one's doing the work. Well, Here, and this what we're is, talking about. This is why ultimately us showing up as our authentic selves on this healing journey that we're all on together, friends, us continuing to show up in our authenticity is ultimately what is best for our relationships and I guess society as a whole because it it shines spotlights everywhere you go. When you live authentically. It's like you're walking around the world shining spotlights for people who aren't living authentically. And for some of them, it can be very painful to see and experience somebody in their authenticity because they're so inauthentic with themselves that they're like super triggered by your authenticity. But at the end of the day, like that 
you don't know what types of like little seeds of inspiration you're sowing everywhere you go because that day they might have gotten super triggered by it, but maybe they start their healing journey in a couple of months and maybe they always remember in the back of their mind the way that you showed up for yourself, the way that you authentically represented yourself and they go, you know, man, I was so triggered that day by that person, by the way that they were speaking or embodying a particular, you know, part of themselves, but I see it now and I understand it now and ultimately I admire it and that's what I'm aspiring to. And so as difficult as it might feel to show up authentically, this is just your little word of encouragement from your local authenticity coach. Just keep doing it and showing up for yourself and that, you know, ultimately like you're the one who spends the most time with yourself. You live with yourself 24 seven, 365 baby. So be, be attuned to your own authentic truth at all times. Um, and, and you will find that that is going to cause ripple effects around you, hopefully for the better <laughs> at the end of the day. But, uh, for sure for you internally, it is going to be for the better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably, that's all she wrote, folks. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but this is, this is what we want you guys to hear. If we're collectively just understanding gratitude, like when CA saying, what is it actually like you, those questions are exactly what she's talking about. Walking yourself through what is real gratitude. It's not forced. It's not. If you feel at any point that you're forcing the gratitude, I'm going to go ahead and say, you're not feeling gratitude. There's something else there. Okay. It's not forced. It's freely given. It is enthusiastically consensual, which means you want to. The other day I was on the phone with CA. We were actually talking about gratitude. And there was this weird moment that I like felt moved to be like, you know what? I'm just so grateful that blah, blah, blah. And I literally just said this weird gratitude thing, which was ironic because we were talking about gratitude. But I realized it was so enthusiastically from the core of who I was that like it just spilled out of me because I was. It was such a moment of like, I felt so much profound thankfulness and gratitude around our friendship. And it just spilled out of me. It really was raw and real. And so I want like, that's what I, I wanted you to hear that right at the end, folks, because that might be something that when you hear this whole episode, it's that question of, okay, so if this is, if it's possibly gaslighting or if it's possibly all from this toxic thing, like, how am I going to know? You're going to know. When it, exactly, like when it feels like it's connecting, right? And like CA said, the more you surround yourself with authenticity and the more that people are able to exchange in with you in a real way and they can see you and they can hear you and they can absorb things about you and it's safe and it's fostered and it's what all of these things, those moments lead to natural gratitude. You're like, wow, this is so hard because listen, me and CA's relationship is not a walk in the park. Like it's not like we're always in agreement with each other. But what's interesting is I even get grateful for those moments. I get grateful for some of the tension that we have to work through. Why? Because we have safety in the tension. That's what that looks like, is that real authentic gratitude. 
it's not something you have to like force into your life. Okay. It's going to arrive. And let's leave it there. Let's leave it there, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Unlearned Podcast or our individual Instagrams at Recollected Self and CAs at Embracing Divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work